Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. It is week one. It is the regular season. I say that, but you probably are still like drafting the next two days still. So it's like the weird in-between zone where we get two more days of summer, Denny. It is a weird. It is a weird time, honestly. The 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 week between, uh, or the the days between, you know, Labor Day and the beginning of the NFL season feels like. Uh, it feels like a twilight zone. Almost. It's a Jordan Peele film is what it is, Denny. And what we will be talking about this week's top post-draft waiver wire claims, players who are available in more than 50% of Yahoo leagues before getting in to some of the summer situations where we just never got enough data, stuff that all summer where we were basically like, yeah, we got to see them settle this on the field. And we're stuff that did not indeed settle itself during camp. And we just frankly need settled on the field this weekend. But first, Denny, I couldn't help but notice something disturbing yeah. over the weekend. And that was that you are, are now a college football fan? Question mark. You sent college football tweets? I didn't know this was allowed if you were a Maryland alum. So, yeah, look, uh, first of all, Maryland took care of business against Buffalo. All right. And that's that's something that no one's talking They're about. Actually not a, Buffalo's not always a pushover. So that's that's not a bad dub. And there and there were dozens of people watching that game at the Maryland uh, Stadium. So <laughs> we, we On the Maryland proud. Football Network, too. We, we love we love our Terps here in Maryland. Many of us even have even heard of the Terps. Um, uh, so, yes, not only am I a fan. Put Old Bay on a turtle shell and then eat it is apparently what I've been told you do. That, yes, that's what we do during during football games. Uh, I'm not a fan so much as I'm a thought leader, I think, in college football. And uh, as you I'm, are in most things, I, I'm I'm leading thoughts. Uh, my my thoughts include uh, how can Clemson have a bad quarterback? How's that possible? <laughs> it is a good question. Uh, it is a very very. I, I'm not now the second year that they've allowed themselves right, to have a bad right, quarterback. Not, not just a mediocre quarterback, an actually bad quarterback. He's bad. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, folks, but I, sorry, young man, number five. I can't even remember say his name. DJ, they call him DJ. You're not good, DJ. No. Well, what does DJ do? Uh, he's slow. He, he he's inaccurate. He can't throw deep. Uh, he has no confidence, and yet the and then yet Clemson wins every game by four touchdowns. How I don't. Well, I think they finished last year unranked, <laughs> so it is actually a problem. Well, there you go. And they, I saw they have a guy though. Now they have some some fresh faced young man from Texas who threw like 140 touchdowns and only five interceptions his entire mm-hmm. high school career. 
at Westlake High School. Shouts to Chase Daniel, Mizzou legend. And it seems like he's waiting in the wings for when mm-hmm. our – our young DJ ultimately yeah. fails. Let's get the show on the road, Clemson. Come on. Uh, and then, so to Brian Kelly, by the way. Yeah. A uh, bit of oh. an inauspicious debut. Loved it. Uh, I loved it. I know. <laughs> I, I I don't think I, I you people rallied uh, on Twitter. We all rallied together uh, in rooting against LSU. And this is nothing against LSU. This is everything against Brian Kelly. Yeah. No, no one likes him. The whole fake Southern accent thing that he did after getting hired. Um, the The dancing the humiliating dancing thing that he did with recruits yeah. uh, come some of some of whom left the team. Uh, he clearly didn't know. Like I, I tweeted it and I was half serious. He probably doesn't know the names of his players. Probably not. No. And it's just clear. Like I, I, I've said this before the game. It sounds like totally absurd, you know, to say after one game, it's just clear. Like Brian Kelly is not an sec coach. Like no. this meat grinder is just not for him. No. And he clearly knows that. So he's like, I just gotta, I gotta be like jump in feet first and like yeah. be willing to get weird and uncomfortable. I'm 60 years old. I'm buying the Corvette. I'm getting three pairs of Ray-Ban sunglasses, and he's trying to be different. <laughs> and it just he can't pull it off. He can't do it. He's no not one an SEC has coach. Yeah, no one has mastered the fake it till you make it uh, strategy like like Brian Kelly, and he has faked it all the way to the top level of college coaching. And like you said on Twitter the other day, Pat. Uh, the only question is, which network is he going to work for next year? I know. And I, it could be NBC. We have the Notre Dame broadcast rights, and he is a Notre Dame expert. But, uh, well, he'll be working. Yeah, we love him. We just, we, we've heard nothing but good things. I've respected guy. him for years. Yeah, well, I just He has been a joy to watch. Um, <laughs> when his face turns absolutely beet red, when he's screaming at a 19-year-old safety, it's just been a joy. The it's only thing that Brian Kelly did uh, during the game that they, they, they lost against Florida State is after a touchdown he held up one finger to signal we're go we're just we're just going for the one that's the one thing that he did and the one then they went for it and didn't get it, it right and everything else he would just want like wander the sidelines you know no one was talking to him doing the gritty anybody trying um, to go viral he's just tiktoking the entire time when the kid when the kid fumbled the second punt he turns he turns around and to no one in particular just starts screaming get him out get him out <laughs> are you serious i missed yeah. that actually yeah no no one talked about that but i pot i promise it happened i was not a real american i was watching tennis most of the evening yikes um, so i don't know about that shouts to francis tiafo oh yes i did i i pat i'm not joking i watched that match he beat uh, Mr. Rafa. We I love would. Rafa, but we love our Americans more. I have never uh, felt such pa- patriotism as rooting for that young man. I love Rafa, but you know, time to see the stage, time, and time to, for us to see the stage to football talk. Chris Godwin, Denny, he says it's fifty-fifty if he's going to play this week. Basically, that it all comes down to feel. The feel has involved shedding his knee brace, which is always kind of a a milestone in your recovery from a torn ACL. So he's practicing without a knee brace, AKA trusting the knee more and more and more, but he doesn't know if he's going to be out there week one. And I don't really know what the question is because if you draft Chris Godwin and he plays, you're going to play him. So if you're drafting Tuesday or Wednesday night, so what's like the final appropriate draft slot for Chris Godwin? I guess if he does play week one, like what are the realistic expectations, expectations, against the Dallas Cowboys. This was kind of, what is the state of the Chris Godwin as he's in like the final mile of his rehab? Right. 
Well, I, his ADP has ticked up a little, um, but I think that that's warranted because now it was too low all summer. It really was. I mean, but so I, I would I would maybe push back on that a little, uh, just because first of all I did fade him, and uh, yeah. and and uh, the reason is because it seemed overly optimistic that a very late season ACL could uh, result in a week one debut. Um, and now was it out of the question that he could debut in week three or four? Of course not. Okay. But I just, I just felt, I just felt like it was overly optimistic. Obviously I was wrong and whoever drafted him as their, I don't know, wide receiver three. A lot of times wide receiver three, even in like the sharp leagues, I've seen Chris Godwin be a wide receiver three. I mean, that is, that is unreal value. Even if, even if he's not a hundred percent, even if he doesn't get a full complement of snaps and routes in week one, even then you're, you're, you're good. And honestly, if you if you hammered Mike Evans and thought, okay, well, I'm going to get like a month of crazy production for Mike Evans. That dream is dead. Unfortunately. Off the top of your head. I mean, who should we settle on as the next man up behind Chris Godwin, like kind of ignoring the role. Cause we Russell Gage, of course can be a slot guy. But like who, whose targets do we like the most as the next man up on Chris Godwin? Is it Russell Gage or is it Julio Jones? I think it's Julio. I mean, for as long as for as long as he he's healthy and upright, which he is by all accounts right now, um, Julio in like two or three, I can't remember what it was, two or three games healthy for Tennessee last year was good. Okay. Like like everything, all the metrics, all the peripheral stuff pointed to him being good. Not not peak Julio. Obviously, we know that that that, that Julio's gone, but it good enough so that I think he could be the number two. Uh, if Godwin doesn't play in week one. And Julio is another guy who never really developed like an ADP. He developed an ADP, but it was like a wide receiver four or five. And the price was kind of basically always right on Julio. And I, I agree. I like Julio as the next man up and like the rankings. I like if you're still drafting, I like him as the next man up in the draft. Russell Gage just did not have a good summer. Like the, the rare times no. Tom Brady was at Bucks camp, Russell Gage like wasn't even practicing. He had a hamstring injury. This was not a good summer for Russell Gage. It was as bad as as you could have hoped, especially if you had you started drafting him at his lofty ADP. Uh, I, th- I thought you were going to say you were doing that, but then your tone I of voice, I could tell that you were not actually. No, did, I, did we know who were the Russell Gage drafters? He got um, steamed, quote unquote, into like the top 36, maybe almost top 30 at one point. It was a wild time. So this is obviously, this is before Julio. And this is before we knew that Godwin could come back very early, if not week one. Um, and so it seemed like, oh, hey, look, I can get Tom Brady's number two receiver in the sixth or seventh round. I got to do that, right? Um, well, you know, it's not going to work out that way. Uh, I, I do, I, I'm not discounting Russell Gage, and maybe you aren't either. But to start, no, the season, I mean, I am. You are completely. No, I mean, yeah. not, I mean, I'm not technically, but I, I have zero shares in any league that I actually care about. I'm sure there's some you know dumb best ball teams that I have them on, but like any league that I'm actually going to pay attention to this year and manage, I had zero shares. Well, here's, he, here's something wasn't compelling to me. He's only rostered in half of leagues. Really, only half. So oh. he's out there. And that's kind of interesting. Actually. I think I think if you, you know, for the robust RB drafters among us, you could do a lot worse than grabbing him off the waiver wire. You could do a lot worse, especially for week one. It's against the Dallas Cowboys. It's probably a shootout. Even if Chris Godwin plays, it's going to be a snap count. But if nothing else, I mean, maybe stream Russell Gage for week one. Um, that's pretty interesting. We'll stick yeah. with the Bucks, Denny. So you write the waiver wired column for the site. Congratulations. Uh, we love it. <laughs> 
Thank you. Uh, there was a concerted pressure campaign to get you to write it, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll do it." <laughs> and, uh, so you're doing it. It was. It was just for the <laughs> listeners, real quick. It was, you know, it was very, lots of lots of tiptoeing around, and like, do you think you can take this on? Like, you don't. You don't have to. And I, I mean, we knew you could. I, I think for some reason there's speculation you wouldn't want to. I was like, I'm. But, um, yeah, sure. Sure. I, I like writing. I'll do it. Yeah. You, uh, you like, do you like writing? Uh, Denny Carter loves to write. Is never not right. He's actually writing an article right now. During it's kind of distracting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can see you're just staring at your screen writing. But in your article, Waiver Wired, check it out on NBC Sports Edge, rotoworld.com. You called Rashad White the top running back ad of week one. The Bucks have officially listed him as their number two running back, you know, on the depth chart that they probably put zero thought into and that they are legally required to release for gambling purposes. <laughs> uh, what are the practical implications of this? Do we really believe the rookie is the top pass catching back in Tampa Bay? Are we just like looking for confirmation bias since we were kind of all like he was in our circles, you know, we wanted Rashad white this summer. Just, Give us the lay of the Rashad White land. And are, are, are we telling ourselves like too convenient of a story? Like, is there actually going to be fantasy value here? Well, I think I think it is a contingent value. It's contingent on Uncle Lenny uh, maybe missing some time or having his workload scaled back. We, we got a report uh, that's on the site uh, from yesterday, from from Monday. They said that the Bucks are uh, at least interested in uh, scaling back as they should be. Uh, Lenny's, uh, when I say Lenny, I should say Leonard Fournette because apparently not everybody knows him as Lenny. But uh, Fournette's uh, snap share, which was off the charts high last year, um, even after his injury, after he came back from his injury. And yeah, I mean, you know, he's going into, I believe, his age 28 season, talking about Fournette. Um, he's not special. Not know, an like, efficient runner, not an efficient pass catcher, didn't show up in shape, has a bit of an injury history. Besides that, he's really good. Really, really good. There are there are red flags. There are red flags, and and I guess you can wipe out all the red flags by saying, "Hey, he's Tom Brady's guy. What are you going to do?" Uh, Tom Brady, I think, would be very open to an elite pass catching back catching passes out of the Tampa backfield, and that is what Rashad White is. So uh, this is this is actually from our our draft analysis of Rashad White. Um, he was an elite college receiving back with a 2.6 yards per route run share. That that was not share, 2.6 yards per yeah. route run among the highest in the nation. Um, and he d- did well at the NFL Combine, showed up well. Now he doesn't profile as like uh, like an elite every down back, but in Tom Brady's backfield, catching passes obviously is where it's at. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated said two weeks ago. Rashad White is the best pass catching running back Brady has played with since James White, which is saying something. And I think it's true. It is. I, I do. I think there's more than enough smoke here and just more than enough plausible dot connecting. Leonard Fournette defaulted into third down roles because yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't ready and Giovanni Bernard was just kind of cooked. Uh, he defaulted into it. And like I said, was never efficient. He was like wildly prolific, like catching a million passes and then averaging like six and a half yards per catch, doing nothing from a yards per route run basis, basically it's catching the ball and falling, which is valuable in and of itself. If you can at least secure the ball, right? But it's a situation they've been open to upgrading for a long time. And if you use your championship football team, use a day two pick on a pass catching back. It's not to like let them, you know, like cool his heels on the sideline. It's because you want it. The Bucks 
fantasy managers want this to happen, but it's important to remember the Bucks also want this to happen. And we can maybe get ahead of ourselves and like saying it's happening, but it, it really is important to remember the Bucks do want this to happen and it might be happening. And Rashad White, it should be 100% rostered, not like 45 or whatever it is. And right. Going into week one, he should be 100% rostered just to see what happens. If you, and especially if you're trying to fill your bench with guys who could pop, guys who could take over a reliable role that makes them RB2s or whatever. You, you have to get white right now. You really, really do. So you called Rashad White the top running back ad. You called the top overall ad, Rondale Moore. Uh, why are we telling people to get hurt again, basically, with Rondale Moore? And it is funny. And I was reading your article this morning. Like, I was thinking about, man, like, I, I did not get aboard the Rondale Moore train, like, any of my redraft leagues. And this morning, I really was kind of, like, feeling regret just because the target's need is really acute. For the Cardinals, like really, really acute, and says tell tell the folks why Rondale Moore is the top ad amongst players who are under fifty percent rostered right now. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised that Moore wasn't rostered in a, at least half of leagues. It's twenty nine percent, like you said. Yeah, you're um, playing like expert fantasy, like our little world. He's been a hundred percent rostered yeah. since yeah. the second he entered the NFL. <laughs> but in like normal, real, the real world, he's yeah. not. And so, yeah, just yeah. sorry, I just had to. Uh, it's fine. Right it's fine. You, you're passionate about Rondell Moore. I get it. Uh, not as passionate as our own Pat Crane, uh, no. but but still. Uh, so he's a, a Rondell Moore lower back tattoo, right? Um, which I thought was was weird. Uh, but uh, it's weird that he just was. It was the first thing he did when he walked in the hotel <laughs> in Canton, Ohio, show it to us. <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to try to talk about Rondell Moore now. Uh, so yeah, I mean DeAndre Hopkins and his 25 percent target share are gone for six weeks. So I think that, you know, Rondell Moore's usage as a receiver, not just near the line of scrimmage, but hopefully a little more downfield, please, Cliff Kingsbury, if you're listening, consider this, uh, is, is potentially is potentially short-lived because Hopkins will be back at some point. And if he's anything close to normal DeAndre Hopkins, which is some, there's some question about that, then Moore is not going to be a priority. But uh, last year, and I have this in the column, uh, more average six receptions on six and a half targets in games where he basically operated as a starter for Arizona. Now it was six, it was six of six and a half because he was catching basically all screen passes. Yes. Um, his, his a dot was 1.3. His a dot was basically, it just said safety because every time he caught the ball, it was as far back on the field yeah. as possible. He was catching the ball in his own end zone. Every but single here, time he here's the, the thing about a 1.3 a dot you still get the one point for <laughs> you, <PPR>. do. <laughs> you do. That's <laughs> why it's the world's perfect scam. Cash and, only bar, no questions asked, points per reception. He's a and, and he's a potential scam, I think, in this offense. I, I I don't see Marquise Brown as like a huge threat to take over uh d- dominate targets. That's nothing I he does not profile as that kind of receiver. I think more probably profiles more as that kind of receiver, judging from his his excellent college profile. So I think more should be rostered in at least half a leagues. We only take cash. There's no money laundering going on here, folks. It's not a scam at all. PPR. That's right. That's right. PPR. Denny, so you wrote up every position, including kickers, which. Uh, hey, the, the, the lawyers, we talked for six weeks and the lawyer said fine. So, And also, <laughs> kickers is actually an extremely important waiver wire position <laughs> as the single, maybe most streamed position there is. So check out even the kickers and waiver wired. But. So you wrote up quarterbacks. You, again, you wrote up every position. 
You said this week that you would narrowly prefer to stream Matt Ryan against the Texans as opposed to Jameis Winston against the Falcons. It is a great setup for each. I was going to ask you from a season-long perspective. Again, a lot of experts leagues, you know, these guys will be on the waiver wire all year. But a lot of home leagues, like a lot of – most teams roster two quarterbacks, I've found, in like my home leagues, like my suburban Missouri leagues. From a season-long perspective, so these both these guys are bumping right up against 50%, 50% roster ship. Would you prefer Jameis Winston or would you prefer Matt Ryan? Like, who's basically more likely to like kind of force their way back into the top twelve this season? Jameis Winston or Matt Ryan? I think it's Matt Ryan. Both 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 teams have the Colts and the Saints have insanely soft schedules. Uh, both in the top ten as far as the easy schedule goes. The Colts have, I think, the fourth easiest schedule. Uh, they play a terrible AFC South. Obviously, that that's that's good for Ryan. But I think Frank Reich coming out over the past like three weeks and saying multiple times, uh, we're good with passing. We want to pass. Like we we don't want to do that thing where we're running it on second and 13 while the game's tied in the fourth quarter. Like they had to do last year to hide Carson Wentz. Okay. Matt Ryan is a big upgrade in, in every facet uh, to, to Carson Wentz. And I think with, with Pittman, Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell, as long as he can stay healthy, and Mo Ali Cox, I know you know he's a he's a little bit of a tease, but those four pass catchers a little bit might be underselling it. Plus, yeah, he's a, he's a lot of a tease, a big tease. Uh, uh, he's also a large man, so I don't want to say quite, too much. But, quite quite large. Uh, and Naheem Hines, a great pass catching. I think that uh, they're very it's very underrated pass catching group for Matt Ryan to work with here. Easy schedule. I would go with Ryan, especially because. If the Saints operate anything like they did last year when they were third lowest in, a, in pass rate over expected, they are going to want to establish and keep Jameis from making those brutal back-breaking mistakes that he's famous for. That's the thing is that I just don't think that's plausible with Jameis Winston. I, I think we are going to get like Jameis unleashed this year, really? despite Dennis Allen's best intention. I mean, this guy, he's not going to be an entirely new human. Like it was a little, even Jameis, like when it's Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway understands like, okay, I can't be cutting it loose like every play, but the whole face of this offense changed this off season where they upgraded all three of their top three receiver spots. Chris Olave, like profiles on paper is such a good Jameis Winston connection. And Matt Ryan is going to have him smoked from an efficiency perspective. But I do think we're going to get the middle ground between 30, 30 Jameis and then last year's like 30 total attempts, Jameis, like the entire season, where I think we are going to get some of the good old days with Jameis. And I'd rather take my spiked weak shots. So if I'm having a number two quarterback, I want to make spiked weak shots. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I I think I would prefer Jameis over Matt Ryan from that perspective. But I also couldn't begrudge just like hitching my wagon, like the steadier hand and, and Matt Ryan and his efficiency. Right. I think, yeah, I think we will get spiked weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as someone who uh, invested pretty heavily in saints players in, in best ball. I, I just, gosh, that, that's... I think they're woefully mistaken if they think that's a sustainable approach with Jameis Winston. I just don't think it's, he has it in him. I hate it. Per, like, like from we, a personal yeah. standpoint, I despise it. Like Jameis is fun for fantasy in Tampa. That was fun stuff. I don't care if he threw four picks a game. That was good. And I liked it. And then last year they were running Alvin Kamara off left tackle 30 times a game. 
I that, that was a, that was horrible. Honestly, that was really horrible, and it makes me stunned still of all the offseason moves that didn't happen. That the Saints did not get more serious about a number two running back because they cannot it. be giving Alvin Kamara twenty five carries a game. He's not fit for that role. He he probably shouldn't even see ten. He should see. He should be in the old range of twelve to fifteen. He's not a twenty plus carry player. It just it, maybe. I mean, maybe he could be if the overall environment was better, but it just. Doesn't seem like he wants that role the same. It just he's so good at like being like like the DeAndre Swift role, basically. Yes. Yes. Consider that. The thing that he was good at, consider doing that again, Saints. Consider doing that and consider staying with us when we're right back after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Don't forget to check out Matthew Berry's new show, The Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World doing what he does best, discussing sleepers to draft, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and so much more. There are also plenty of actionable information along the way for you sports bettors as well. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show on podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Denny, it's week one. The football season is beginning. We need more information still. Despite yep. six months of talking nonstop about every conceivable, uh, plausible outcome of the season, there's still a lot where we just never had enough data. And we were basically just screaming into the void, guessing. Yes. And there are some situations that just have to be settled on the field. And we're going to – stuff we're looking forward. It might not be settled in one game, but going a long way towards getting settled on the field – this weekend, and the first situation you wanted to talk about, a really, really, really fascinating one, because it has like sprawling fantasy implications, implications at seriously every fantasy position. How run heavy are the 49ers going to be with Trey Lance under center? And just what should we be looking for in this 49ers game this weekend, Denny? Yeah, I, you know, I, I really, really want to know the pass rates or pass tendencies of a few teams, including obviously the 49ers, which is why I, the first thing I mentioned to you and when, when you mentioned this topic was we have to know about the 49ers. I, I, I have hopefully you still want to talk about it. 
I don't. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so sorry. I do. Uh, I do have the sense uh, just from from beat writer reports over the past I don't know month or so that it could be very run heavy and very conservative. And the reason we want to know and need to know if this is going to be the way that San Francisco operates this year is because there's no universe in which Ayuk and Debo and Kittle can be supported as fantasy viable guys, especially at, at, to meet their ADP in redraft leagues, if they're going to go super run heavy a la the Eagles last year. It, maybe one of them can succeed. I don't I don't know which one at the moment, but it would seem Debo would, would be uh, less susceptible to, to that sort of approach and, and more involved in a massively run heavy thing. But if they're like 31st, 32nd in run rate, I mean, in, sorry, in pass rate, then uh, we have issues. We have issues with a lot of players. Yeah, like, like it seriously impacts every fantasy position because if they're even more run heavy than expected, the, the air goes right out of the Debo Samuel balloon. Uh, George Kittle has to block as much as he was last year. Like talk about it, just a, not a non-entity in fantasy, but probably not a top five tight end. They are claiming that Tyler Croft is going to take some of the blocking of George Kittle's plate, but George right. Kittle is going to make. He made the fatal mistake of being good at blocking those. We always stop about. trying. You got to stop trying, George. Stop, stop, George. And if the run heavy too, is that good for Elijah Mitchell? Is it bad because Trey Lance like takes all the high value touches? Yeah. Is it, who is it good for behind Elijah Mitchell? Shanahan It's just, he's just dying to like claim someone off waivers on Wednesday and make <laughs> them the number two running back. Um, so yeah, it is, it has like it's tentacles and, not just every fantasy position, but like really, really important fantasy situations. Like people went in on Brandon Ayuk toward yeah. the end of the summer. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. And it's like, on a, it was a leap of faith, basically. So we just, because as you and I talked about all the summer, the 49ers never cut it loose with the praise of Trey Lance. And no. it certainly seems like someone's going to be like, Trey, uh, you know, you see that man's gut over there. That's where you're going to be putting the football. <laughs> Don't even think about throwing it. Yeah, if you think about throwing it, you are cut. Don't think I can't get CJ Beathard back on this team because I can in literally two seconds. Right. So he, he is my QB one in my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I, I will. I will be watching for that. But you know, they play the Bears this week. Uh, could be lots of positive game script. Maybe that won't be as telling as it would in a back and forth type game. But it is worth monitoring. It is worth monitoring. By the same token, there's almost as much writing on what the Eagles offense is going to look like. And the Eagles, who essentially became like a late 1970s running style offense after week six last year, running the ball more than 50% of the time. Like how how much are they going to dial that back? Because we know they won't be as run heavy as they were the final two thirds of last season, but the degree to which they dial that back is going to have like implications of everything from can A.J. Brown actually be a wide receiver one? Can Devontae Smith actually cra- crash the top 36 and like take a sophomore step forward. Can Dallas Goddard finally become like a high end tight end one? Like the implications are almost as much as they are with the 49ers. And what are we looking for with the Eagles other than the extremely broad question answer of uh, will they pass more? Well, you know, I mean, ideally we're looking for what we, you know, what we saw a couple years ago with the Bills offense, where we we headed into 2020 thinking, all right, this is gonna be the Bills from 2019, like you know, 50-50 run, uh, uh, run pass split, 
pretty balanced. And no, I mean, it, and it, Pat it, just it, trashing Josh Allen on Twitter every week and getting away with it over and over and over and over and over again until you didn't get away with it. No. And, uh, uh never and, gotten less away with something than right. I did those first two years of Josh Allen. And, and then you served eight months in prison. <laughs> I did. Yes. Yeah. It was more of a camp, like very minimum security. Uh, I was allowed to work for the highway department when I was there. But it was eight months in a federal prison camp. So that's nice. Great. That, that yeah, great. that that's nice. You did not get a special master, unfortunately. No, but no. The, the, so we the the upside scenario is that we see that with the Eagles and Nick Sirianni has has said not outright. I, I I avoided saying the word outright, but has said like we can be more balanced now that we have uh, you know Jalen Hurts has another year of experience. There are lots of positive reports. We had a blurb the other day on uh, his pocket presence and accuracy, especially on intermediate throws. We have AJ Brown, this, you know, so, so lots of signs point to the Eagles being more pass heavy. I'm not expecting them to be a top five pass rate team, but it would be a, it would make a huge difference if they got to league average after last year. I, I don't doubt that their intentions are to become more balanced and more pass heavy. I do just wonder if Jalen Hurts has the arm talent because it's just not a spectacular NFL arm. Like beyond even like the questions of like pocket presence and yeah. all that. Uh, I just don't know if he has the arm talent and there's a lot riding on it. And I, I do think the Eagles want, clearly they want to become more, but they are traded for AJ Brown. Um, but clearly they want this to happen. Well, this week one is going to be the first data point And if it can happen. And it's a, it's a very small sample size, but I do. Well, I'd like to mention, if you don't mind, Jalen Hurts' preseason stats which are laid on us. Yep. I'm laying it on you. Uh, he was uh, seven of eight for 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so, I, the, you know, he, he, I think he showed, and there were a couple throws that I, you know, I, I grind a lot of film. I was very impressed. So please Jalen hurts, take that next step forward. Cause yeah. it would be amazing. And if he does, he's in the mix to be the number one overall fantasy quarterback. Absolutely. So that's another thing. It's not just the players beyond him who would be affected. It turns Jalen hurts into a league winner basically. So we talk about the running quarterbacks, the dual threat quarterbacks, the guys who have an effect on every single player on their offense. We'll shift gears to probably the most, maybe the single most fascinating like skill group out there, the Packers receiver core and just seeing how this actually shakes out where it seemed like status quo all summer, like Alan Lazard held on to number one receiver duties, supposedly, supposedly Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins are white rounding out three receiver sets but like Aaron Rodgers though did come out and confirm that it wasn't just like dumb fantasy guy hype that Romeo Dobbs was mm-hmm. actually performing said he wasn't gonna be treated like a Packers rookie receiver is usually treated aka like stuffed in the closet and ignored and like never targeted like he, Aaron Rodgers said they need Romeo Dobbs to be an actual part of the offense does what 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 will, what will be telling in this Packers receiver group this weekend Denny what should we be looking for right. as we finally our long national nightmare ends and the Packers receiver core finally sorts itself out. Right. Yes. Uh, well, I think, you know, as far as Dobbs go, it goes, I think Roger's saying that he would not be held to the same standard as previous Packers receivers is a, an admission tacit admission that, Hey, uh, we're not very good. So I can't afford to ignore Devonta Adams for two seasons this time. Yeah. So Do- Dobbs could, could just fall into that. I kind of think Dobbs will be a, a downfield type type player, but he seems to be the 
Marquez Valdez Scantley facsimile, and sort of. they want him yeah. to be because right down to the, the fact that he alternates big plays with uh, truly horrifying drops. Right, exactly, and and uh, we and they need that. They need that MVS role where they where he drops a weekly eighty yard touchdown. So here's what I'm going to look for. I'm going to look for a snap shares for uh, Green Bay receivers. I'm going to look for route participation, and I'm going to look for targets per route run because I want to see I want to see which guys not 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 which guys are out there running empty routes. I want to see which guys are out there and are getting commanding targets, getting targets from Aaron Rodgers. Now I'm not saying that that sticks all season, but it would be, it would be great to have some indication as to who. Uh, can can jump out of this group as hey he could be the wide receiver one. I think we we might have a good uh, idea of that after week one. And I do think yeah, it's going to be one thing where you can seize on it after week one. It's going to be very limited data points, but something Aaron Rodgers has clearly been thinking about all summer is who he can actually target, and it just will be very telling who commands those targets in week one. And unfortunately, part of fantasy football is overreacting to like one game sample sizes because yeah, sure. the sample sizes are just so small to begin with. And I do think even though it could change immediately in week two, I do think the Packers receiver situation is one where we're going to have to like seize upon whatever happens in week one and gamble that that's like the way things are going to be going forward. Yeah. It kind of drives me nuts. Uh, you get typical week two reaction where people say, Oh, well, you're, you're remember you're, Kevin Ogletree idiot. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're freaking out over nothing. Like uh, it's one game. Well, Hey, you know, it's not baseball. Okay. No, and you know, one game is more than zero games. It is. It is. And you can't wait around forever to make a decision. You can't say, well, oh, Romeo Dobbs uh, was targeted on uh, 30% of his routes last week and uh, scored a touchdown. I'm going to wait to see if he can do one more time before I pick him up. No, you don't have that opportunity. No. He's gone. He's gone. He's so gone. That, that's why I mentioned him in the waiver wire column. Cause I think he, he has as good a chance as anybody to, to pop in this receiver group. Yeah, you say it's not baseball. In baseball, you know, it's September 6th, and I'm still holding on to my fourth-round pick that is hitting 196. Great. You never know. You never know when you're going to break out. He still, has, he still has 75 games left. There's 282 games left to go <laughs> in the baseball season, and I think Max Muncy's going to really turn it around here soon. <laughs> I, don't I didn't take him. I, I, would, I wouldn't be caught dead drafting Max Muncy, by the way. Um, would not, truly would not be caught. That was the guy that if I drafted Max Muncy, that would be like to send the police to my house. Okay. Well, that, still I will. I'm going to jot that down right Okay. Now. Please do. Uh, so then we're talking about the Packers receiver core. What about who the number two situation in Dallas? Then mm-hmm. I, I told you I didn't even want to talk about it because I'm like, well, it's Dalton Schultz is the number two, and I think you think it is Dalton Schultz, but you want to know what who who looks like the number two option behind Ceedee Lamb for the Cowboys, and I think you think Schultz is in the lead. But just what are you looking for to maybe confirm that or maybe poke holes in that? Yeah, uh, I think, yes, I think Schultz should be the number two. Now, I really want to see if the Cowboys are going to put their uh, money where their mouth is and actually play Tony Pollard as a slot receiver and not just as a guy who spells Ezekiel Elliott when he is gassed, okay, after five straight carries, Um, (laughs) you know. uh, So, you know, can Tony Pollard factor into that number two role? Is it someone else? Is it is it Jalen Tolbert? Like someone who comes out of nowhere and just come in. We saw Cedric Wilson do this last year when Amari Cooper was out. Um, I, 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 I have questions. I still have some questions about CeeDee Lamb's 
ability to dominate targets. I, I don't, know. you know, friend of the show, CD Lamb. It brings us no pleasure to say. No, this. it doesn't. I hate but. saying it, but there, there are some numbers that point to him not having that ability when Amari Cooper was off the field last year. So um, I, I really want to see who's number two in this pecking order because mostly because I think the Cowboys are going to stink and they're going to have to pass a lot this year. So there'll be tons of volume to be had. Do you think the only option other than Dalton Schultz would be Tony Pollard? I mean, is there any chance we get a Jalen Tolbert surprise or no? possibly? I think I, 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 I'm not discounting it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say James Washington, but uh, I, I will throw his name into the. Into well, the what's the, James Washington? I believe is severely hurt. Well, um, no, but he'll be back soon. Okay, is he? But what is the Jan? I'm going to look this up while we're on the yeah, air for folks. Me too. Uh, this is good. No, he's uh, he's out four games. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, he'll, he'll be back in October. Um, he'll be ba- he'll be back in October, but he is on injured reserve. Just it's not Noah Brown. We know that uh, it's not going to be Noah Brown. No, probably not for the Cowboys. So uh, I, I I do think it'll be Dalton, which is why I drafted Dalton Schultz in essentially every redraft league I'm in. Uh, I just think the targets need is too acute. You, you know, in this whole conversation. Uh, I don't believe, unless I blacked out at some point, I don't believe we've mentioned Michael Gallup. And I know. No, and he will be back pretty soon. I know. He's not Gallup. back week one, but he will be back very soon. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe he should have. We should have maybe mentioned that. Maybe, I know. I mean, but maybe, but it's easy to forget because, you know, Jerry Jones has been saying, uh, maybe if it was a Super Bowl, he might play in week one. I, I, I don't know what that means. You know, I, I guess I do. Painkillers. But, He's like, maybe if I've been kidnapped by, you know, counterfeit Mexican federales and like we had to win a football game that day, I would force Michael Gallup to play where the, the fake federales said, if we don't win the game, you know, I'm, they're going to kill me. And then so, maybe Michael Gallup would play. So federales, if you're listening. No, uh, <laughs> so I, I do. But I, I think that Gallup should be picked up. Um, I'm going to check his uh, roster ship real quick. And he is at. Ooh, he's at thirty five percent. Oh wow! Wow. I think you got to get him, especially if if you're in a, if you drafted a team that's going to be a little bit weak at wide receiver, you get Gallup right now. Get Michael Gallup. Get Michael Gallup. Because yeah, it sounds like he's going to be back like in September. Because uh, I believe he avoided injured reserve. So, AKA they expect him back in the first four games, even though they don't expect him back in week one. So Michael Gallup should be rostered. Another injury question mark where. We just have like shockingly little clarity is J.K. Dobbins. We don't know for sure if he's going to play week one. I was guessing all summer that he would play week one, but it's apparently like truly questionable. So the question becomes if he plays, like what the workload is going to be, what the workload is going to be. And if he doesn't play, just like what the heck is going to happen? Because mm-hmm. Mike Davis was getting hype near the end of the summer. But then they they talk about seized upon. They seized upon Kenyon Drake, who – could probably immediately be the third down back. We know that's not always the most profitable role with the Ravens because Lamar doesn't really check down to running backs, but could be much more than the third down back. So what the heck? This this explain the Ravens back to me like I'm five years old. (laughs) Yes, I will, Michael Scott. Uh, uh, Mike Davis is listed as the RB2 right now behind Dobbins, and then Kenyon Drake as the running back three, and then Justice Hill as – the RB four, just so we have a lay of the land here. Now, Kenyon Drake is like, is brand new to the team. I did write him up in the waiver wire column because uh, he was good last year. I mean, not great, but you know, he was good as a pass catcher and as a rusher, surprisingly before his season 
ending ankle injury for the Raiders. He was signed about what 10 days ago by the Ravens. I, I understand that Mike Davis has been there longer. I also understand that by many measures, almost every measure, Mike Davis was the worst running back in the NFL. Wasn't good. Wasn't good. So. It was like the guy from Clemson just handing it off to him time and time and time yeah. again and him gaining one yard. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't good. I say this as a huge fan of Mike Davis, the guy who seems like a, a great, a great guy. Uh, but but Ken, but Kenyon Drake uh, seems to me to fit the Ravens profile of an aging veteran running back who could take on something close to an every down role if J.K. Dobbins is not active. I don't think that Kenyon Drake is anyone's any fantasy manager's long term answer to their RB two spot or to a flex spot, but I think he could be useful. I think Kenyon Drake is someone. Frankly, I do think should be hundred percent rostered right now. He's good. I mean, he was hurt last. It, he's not like in the total. He's in like the declining phase of his career, but he's not like declined. Like he's not like at the bottom yet. Or I think he could be like shockingly productive and involved. And again. So we don't know how it's going to unfold. I think there's enough uncertainty and volatility there that I would I would want Kenyon Drake to be 100% roster. I guess Mike Davis is cl- – I mean, we know none of these guys aren't actually 100% roster. I'm thinking of, again, like leagues where there are no good players left by round yeah, four right. games. I still don't really know how that happens. Um, yeah. But I, I want Ken- – I, 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 frankly, I want Kenyon Drake on my team more than Mike Davis. Me too. Okay, good. There's Yeah, there's reason to, to believe that Kenyon Drake has something left and Mike Davis does not. So let, let's go with Drake. Let's go with Kenyon Drake, and let's go with us right after this break. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic, because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The NFL season is finally here, and the NBC Sports Predictor app is giving you two shots at winning $100,000 by entering Sunday Night 7's free contest. The first is on Thursday by guessing what will happen between the Bills and Rams as the teams usher in the 2022 season. Then on Sunday night, you'll have another chance when the Buccaneers face the Cowboys. So if you don't have the Predictor app, go download it now. Denny, if the people are listening on the podcast, they have no idea that I just read a promo three times. Three I times. Did. I thought I thought it was twenty-five times. I, it, it actually probably needed to be a fourth. I slipped up again. I took a nap. Uh, I, I slipped uh, up you know, again. I fed the dog. I slipped up again, but I'm not going to read it a fourth time. No offense to the Predictor app, which is really good. Uh, it's really really good app. It's fun. It is. But I've, I've it's week one. I'm not. I'm having the talkie problems. Um, <laughs> speaking of problems, 
Devin Singletary drafters have nothing but problems because they talk themselves into thinking Devin Singletary is a value every year. And then he never, ever, ever, we're talking ever, is until the end of last season. But, you know, if you draft, you probably, you might not even had him around still at the end of last season. I What I want to ask you, are the Bills really going to be three-man backfield? Joe Biscalia came on our podcast, maybe one of the best beat writers in the entire country, said Zach Moss was for real. They thought his horrible 2021 was about a slow recovery from injury. Uh, do we think the Bills are going to be three-man backfield? And what are the warning signs we are looking for on Thursday night against the Rams? Yeah, I, I think uh, kind of an, an even split uh, among the guys is 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 one one thing we can look for. Another another very concerning thing for Singletary, and I, I believe we've mentioned this several times on this podcast over the offseason, is what if he's just used between the 20s? You know, and that's not what we want. You know, that that's almost a useless sort of role uh, for fantasy purposes. It's the Antonio Gibson type role uh, that we're just not interested in. So you have Moss coming in. And by the way, Moss got all the goal line work in their final preseason game. And that that, that could be concerning. And although, I just although, although, although Devin Singletary did take nearly all of the first team snaps, but when they got near the goal line, it was, it was Moss. He's a bigger back and Moss was good. And Moss was better than Singletary in 2020 until he got hurt. And then it was just downhill and he didn't seem to really recover at least in the eyes of the bills coaching staff last year either. Um, I actually find myself targeting in, you know, obviously doing hero RB or zero RB type jobs. I find myself targeting Zach Moss as the, as the cheapest piece of a, of a, backfield that should have lots of positive and neutral game script and, and, and an offense that should score a lot of points. So you could do way worse than getting Zach Moss just as a stash, just for now, just to see how it shakes out. It's the first time in three years I didn't talk myself into Devin Singletary being a value and where I did not draft him heavily in my redraft league. So looking forward to that really, really burning me. Another backfield real quick, the Jets, where I, I've been suspicious of all this late summer Michael Carter smoke, to be honest. Like, really? Not cool. Like, where is this coming from? Like, like why? Well, all of a, like they could barely commit to him last year. Like, they featured Tevin Coleman. Like, I don't understand how all of a sudden he's like better than the second round running back they drafted. And I guess Brees Hall maybe just didn't look good this summer. But I mean, what do you what do you think's going to happen with the Jets backfield? And what do we need to see this weekend? Well, I mean, I think that the the smoke in part comes from not just from beat writers. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's even from the coaching staff. It's crazy. But, but from preseason, I mean, uh, Michael Carter outsnapped Brees Hall 12 to nine in the Jets final preseason game with the first team offense. Um, You know, like our, our blurb says here, at least Hall was worked in to some extent. (laughs) That is good. Um, Good news. You know, uh, um, 11 of, of Hall's 13 yards came on one carry this preseason. It's like Rashad Penny. Just got to give him chances to hit home runs. Yeah, I mean, I do think that Brees Hall looks like the kind of running back, rookie running back, and we see this a lot, who can emerge and probably will emerge as the workhorse or something close to it later in the season. And um, I do think you have, you're going to have to be patient with Hall. I just do think this it's the same coaching staff in front office that drafted Michael Carter and like watched Michael Carter as a rookie and then came away so impressed they used a second round pick on a running back. Um, or I just don't really know. I mean, that's that just, un- that, you that know unfair? what? That, 
they were pressured into that pick. I think that's fair. You know, one thing they could have done is they could have drafted a good offensive lineman. That would have yeah, helped. That's true. Well, they weren't really counting on Mekai Becton's career taking like the worst possible turn. And I guess, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the Jets one's a weird one. Where I I feel like Michael Carter could be the kind of pick that like is bankrupting people by late September, and like maybe he's like very briefly the lead back or something. But I'm just having trouble buying him. I'm pushing back. I'm saying Michael Carter was really good last year. I'm scared. He was good. I did like him last year. I just thought the Jets didn't. And uh, the, apparently there's been a, a change of heart uh, from the early season, early off season reports we got where uh, it's going to be Batman and Robin, of course, uh, Robin being Michael Carter. Um, but uh, it seems like maybe those roles not have reversed, but have kind of leveled up to each other. Michael Carter is a really good pass catcher. I know Brees Hall is supposed to be too, but he proved it last year. The last one I'm going to ask you about, I'm going to use your wording, what you wanted to say for this, because it's, it's very good wording, is like, do Daniel Jones's tendencies change at all in this Brian Dable-led offense for the Giants? Are they going to start using Daniel Jones in the way he's actually successful, like letting him run a little more, maybe forcing him to actually throw down the field a little more? What are you looking for with Daniel Jones and his Brian Dable debut this weekend? Yeah, I mean, Brian Dable has spent all offseason telling reporters, hey, I hope our quarterback throws it downfield more. Uh, and that that has not happened, no. by the way. In preseason, it didn't happen. No. It, it was it was constant check down nonsense, the same stuff we've seen over and over and over again from Daniel Jones. I think the best case scenario fantasy-wise for Daniel Jones, besides, I mean, maybe the best case scenario for the Giants fantasy-wise is Terod Taylor as the quarterback. I don't know. But, oh my god! Um, but <laughs> but is is Daniel Jones just apps just taking off, just doing the one read thing and then just taking off? That's probably best case for his fantasy prospects. It's probably not best case for the receivers and everybody else in that offense, but. There's no indication that Daniel Jones is ready to let it rip and like be this new quarterback. I I I think you know <laughs> the Giants uh, GM last week gave some remarkable quotes to the press saying we have no expectations this year. Really. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad, folks. So uh, it's always great play. in New York City too. Always a very forgiving market. Yeah, uh, I I think they they could be just an abomination this year because they and and it has nothing to do with Dayball or anything. You know, it, it has to do with uh, the horrible uh, GM and coach that came before them. It, 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 that really did. Joe Judge, like not even like trying to pile on Joe Judge, uh, but to pile on Joe Judge was probably the worst coaching hire of at least the past five years. This was probably the worst coaching hire since Jim Tom Sula. Just was not ready and did not did not meet the moment and really did set this team back. It was so it was so clear too. Yeah, it was yeah. quite and so the only thing other than Daniel Jones is that so he's never maybe he'll never become this downfield passer. Hopefully now he's at least better equipped to dink and dunk like with our boy Wandale Robinson hopefully breaking and out. Our, talk about our boy Kadarius Tony. Kadarius, if you could just practice twice in a row, one time ever, one that time. would be nice. That what would be nice. Please. If you could play two drives in a row during the regular season, that would also be nice. Uh, I I just I can't wait. I can't wait for like the blurb to go up at like 1 17 p.m. on Sunday. 
uh, or, or whenever they play four o'clock, you know, Kadarius Tony exits game with knee injury. Um, I'm not hoping he gets injured by the way. It's just, just this is me having never played football sitting in my basement saying Kadarius Tony, you should just stay in the game. Um, I know what right. I'm talking about. One last thing on Daniel Jones. I did a piece on the best downfield passers per EPA. Daniel Jones is one of them. He just never does it. We've talked about We've talked. It became a bit of an obsession of ours talking about how he was good at it, but never does it. He doesn't. Yeah. uh, You know, so maybe, maybe he should follow the EPA. Maybe the analytics are telling him what to do. But he he has Kenny Galladay quiet quitting on him. Uh, and I know how you love that. Uh, it might not it might not be fair to say he's quiet quitting. He's just outwardly quitting. Um, I, it's not quiet. No, it's not, not quiet. <laughs> not quiet. So also this weekend, check out for the, the Broncos backfield. Is that going to be one A, one B with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams? You want to see James Robinson's usage, Damian Pierce's usage, if he actually is taking control of early downs in Houston. So just a lot of stuff to look for this weekend. There's fascinating stuff with every team, obviously. Yeah. This is the stuff of maybe the biggest fantasy implications. We're going to have it all covered on this website we work for. That's NBC true. Sports Edge, powered by Rotoworld, rotoworld.com, the Rotoworld football show, Denny's waiver wired column, my rankings column coming out in a day or two, Pat Crane's walkthrough, Kyle Dvorak has a lot of great stuff going up this year. Uh, we all, just everyone, the whole team's got a lot of good stuff. Nick Minzio starts sit. I'm forgetting stuff, but check it out. Keep it locked. Keep it locked on the website. Thank you for listening. Denny and I will be back on Thursday with the aforementioned Crane and Kyle to preview Week One. Uh, we'll see you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.